Good morning. I am Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net, located on the beautiful campus of Seton Hall University. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in for a real educational and historical treat this morning as we have Fred Jerome and Roger Taylor, who are the authors of Einstein on Race and Racism, as our in-studio guests today. Fred and Roger, welcome to the program. Thanks. Uh, thank you. Uh, you know, I, I, I was uh, provided this book by uh, Roger uh, a year ago, and I finally sat down on a Sunday and read it, and I just said, wow, I, I must have these gentlemen on the program to talk about Einstein on race and racism. Before we jump into the book, Einstein on race and racism, could you share with our audience the highlights of your respective education and experience? Fred, you want to start? Well, okay, it's very short. I went to CCNY, City College of New York, because it was free and I could afford it. And I got a degree, a I, uh, undergraduate undergraduate degree from City College, and became a went out into the real world and became a journalist and I worked as a journalist for thirty or forty years and uh, retired from that uh, twelve years ago and started writing books and that's what led to this book uh, Einstein on Race and Racism. Excellent. And for mm-hmm. myself. Uh, I went to uh, Oberlin College, uh, you know, um, in Ohio and did my undergrad there and uh, also went to Pratt Institute, um, became a librarian. But before that and uh, many iterations, uh, I did a lot of freelance writing and, um, you know, uh, written several articles and, uh, you know, met Fred and... um, we wrote this book, and uh, I guess that's, <laughs> that's about my uh, educational background there. Yeah, but also, I, w- I want to thank uh, Lawrence Norris of the National Society of Black Physicists for uh, inviting us out to dinner and making that introduction, because that's when we uh, first met yeah. and, and develop a, 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 a kinship with each other. Now, let's talk about the book. Absolutely. What prompted you gentlemen, to write this book on Einstein, race, and racism? You know, one of the things that uh, prompted us to write it is the issue of of racism um, in this society today and our feeling that people really need to understand that it is a uh, serious issue. And one of the things uh, that Albert Einstein said uh, way back in 1946, is that racism is America's worst disease. And when we look at society today with the rise of the Tea Party, which is, uh, you know, sort of a more acceptable version in many ways of the Ku Klux Klan, uh, you know, Tea Party uh, acronym is, uh, to me, an interesting um almost sort of hypocritical statement because the Tea Party was associated with America and the American Revolution, but they're not an inclusive uh, organization. When you look at Trayvon Martin and, um, you know, how 
Zimmerman was allowed to walk free, killing him, you realize racism is on the rise today, and we're living in a tidal wave of racism. You look at the... Uh, go ahead, Fred, I'm sorry. No, I just, want, I just want to add something to that, because I think the rising tide of racism that you're talking about got higher and, and worse just just yesterday, just last night with the court decision in New York that basically one of, one of the most racist attacks so far when the court threw out the Judge Shinlin off the stop-and-frisk case which after she had ruled that the New York cops were violating the rights of young black and, and Latino uh, people, and she had been outspoken in, in criticizing that, and the court just threw her off the case in an unprecedented, unprecedented, nobody even asked them to, they just decided to do it. This is the Supreme Court of New York. Okay, and you were saying, uh, Jerome? Or I was just saying that this racist attack, uh, by, of uh, throwing the, the, the judge uh, off the case, two minutes after they did that, virtually two minutes after they did that, the, the police Commissioner of New York was on TV rubbing, rubbing his hands together and sort of saying to people, this is what you're going to get if you attack, if you criticize the New York cops. And it's not just, uh, you know, the New York Supreme Court. I mean, the American Supreme Court with the uh, anti-voting rights ruling and, and, you know, giving the South an open line to begin to deny minority voters. Um, but you know, today it's not just racism, it's also the anti-gay, anti-immigrant, it's 1% of the people having 90% of the money, it's the divide and conquer thing. And I just want to say to people, especially to young people, whether you're black, white, yellow, or whatever, if you're either very rich or you're in denial or asleep if you think you're immune from it. That is true, that is true. But... Our, our book is about really what what to do about this. <laughs> That's what I, we we tend to. I mean, it's not it's not an easy question what to do about it. But we our book is about what Albert Einstein and Paul Robeson and others, but especially Albert Einstein and Paul Robeson. Uh, a lot of people don't know very much about. Some people don't even know who Paul Robeson is, and they really should find out. If you don't know, you sort of demand to know. But our book deals with what they did about it. Right. And what, was, especially, what, was their, what was their ideology, uh, Einstein and Robertson? Well, uh, the first, first thing I was, I was going to say before I even get to their ideology is that they, when they got together to discuss racism, this was in, like in 1946 when Roger mentioned there was a wave of lynching of black people sweeping um, across America after World War II and especially targeting black soldiers who were coming back from the war. And dozens and dozens of people were, were lynched by police and, and other racists. And they decided not just to talk about it, but to do something about it. And that was part of their ideology, that they believed in taking action and doing something. And they organized the American Crusades to end lynching, and, to end lynching, and they marched on Washington, and they went to Washington, and they confronted the president, Truman, in the White House, and demanded that he pass an anti anti lynching laws and so on. And so I think that that's an important part of their ideology. Now beyond that, Roger, you want to say yeah, more I'd about like to, 
Well, you know what? I'd like to read a, 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 just a brief section of the book, if, if, sure, if that absolutely. would be possible. Absolutely. In 1951, the world-renowned African-American scholar, historian, and the founder of the NAACP, W.E.B. Du Bois, was arrested by the federal government and charged with being a foreign agent. At the age of 83, Dr. Du Bois was brought into court dignified as he always was, in a three-piece suit and goatee, standing before the judge, short in stature but unbending, in handcuffs. Imagine the impact of the news photos that were published. It was the beginning of McCarthyism and the Great Red Scare in America. Dr. Du Bois was an officer of a group called the Peace Information Center, and his so-called crime was circulating a petition the Stockholm Peace Petition, which called for the total disarmament and was signed by several million people around the world. After the prosecution presented its case, which consisted of one paid informant, the judge turned to Du Bois, defense attorney, a former congressman named Vito Marcantonio, to ask if the defense was ready. Marcantonio casually told the judge, Dr. Albert Einstein has offered to appear first as a character witness for Dr. Du Bois. Judge Matthew F. McGuire fixed Mark Antonio with a long look and then adjourned the court for lunch. When court resumed in the afternoon, Judge McGuire dismissed the case. Days later, Dr. Du Bois wrote to Einstein, My dear Dr. Einstein, I write to express my deep appreciation of your generous offer to do anything you could in the case brought against me by the Department of Justice. I am delighted that in the end it was not necessary to call upon you and interfere with your great work and needed leisure. But my thanks for your generous attitude is not less on that account. Mrs. Du Bois joins me in deep appreciation. Very sincerely yours, W.E.B. Du Bois. Uh, and that, that's a story that you, you, the most amazing thing about that story is it's disappeared from Einstein's archives altogether. You won't find that story in, in any one of the more than 100 biographies, anthologies, and monographs about Einstein. In fact, you won't even find the name W.E.B. Du Bois or the name Paul Robeson, despite the fact that Einstein and Robeson had a friendship that, well, more than 20 years. And you won't find any mention of the American Crusade and lynching that I mentioned earlier, and and how Einstein and Robeson co-chaired the Civil Rights Congress, which we discussed in our book. And, and, how, and how did you gentlemen uh, come, you know, discover this literature? <laughs> well, it, uh, I had written a, an earlier book about the FBI's file on Einstein, or should I do <laughs> really two ways? Should I start with that, Roger? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so so one part of it was that in this in this in the FBI's file on Einstein, the FBI was very upset about almost everything that Einstein did, and especially his anti-racism and his collaboration with Paul Robeson. And they had about ten pages in in Einstein's FBI file uh, attacking. Einstein for working with Paul Robeson and the American Crusade and lynching. So that was one part of how we came a, came across it. 
a second part, and what, what Fred was sort of referring to, because people always ask, how did he and I get together? And uh, what, what happened was, after Fred had written that first book, um, I wanted to have him appear uh, at my library. I'm a, I'm, I am a librarian. And uh, Fred said, you know, okay, but I also want to ask you another question. And uh, that question was, would you uh, be interested in, in writing this book with me, uh, the book that we're talking about? And to be honest, at first, you know, the idea of Einstein and racism, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I was excited that he asked me to write a book with him, but uh, when he told me the subject matter, I was a little bit like, you know, I, you know, what? what? But um, my mother had actually... Um, told me a story when I was considering this idea that she and my father had gone to uh, Princeton um, in the 1940s, I believe, and um, they were in the black community, and they saw Albert Einstein. One of the highlights of that trip was seeing Einstein walk in the black community. And, uh, you know, I could tell by the way that she told me the story. It was like his a way that he showed support in the black community and he wasn't a stranger there and but his so we often say my mother and uh jago hoover uh put us together and made this book happen mm-hmm. and, the, and, the, and the truth is that that we learned by doing it that that history was really important we found this quote from james baldwin which said i just as i said very very briefly but he said he wrote History wouldn't matter if history were past, but history is present. Mm-hmm. We live our history. We are our history. And we discovered through doing this book and through talking to all the folks in Princeton that we talked to who remembered Einstein and Robeson and, and so on, how much, how much we still live our history and, unfortunately, how much the fight is still continuing. And speaking of that, one of the things that we learned from traveling around the country and talking to people at colleges and high schools all across the nation, and even uh, we were even invited to Paris, but one of the things that we learned was that too many young people today don't even know who Paul Robeson is, and we think it's critically important that they do. Fully agree. It's almost like we've, mm-hmm. it's almost like we've, we've come up against a, a giant eraser of history. And part of it is, is in the education system, because this, no, they, don't, they don't teach anything about Paul Robeson. And part of it is the, is the mass media, except for a few shows like one. Uh, there are very few shows that will even talk about Paul Robeson. And, in fact... Uh, in 1998, that, that's how long ago it was, the New York Times had asked me to write an op-ed piece about Einstein. And when I mentioned in the op-ed piece that one of his friends was Paul Robeson, they simply took Paul Robeson's name out of the article. And it's sort of unheard of for them to do that when I asked them the next day why they took Paul Robeson's name out of the article without telling me or asking me. They said, and the guy who said this is now the book editor of the Times, but anyway, they said, Paul Robeson's name was too explosive. And it, it turns out that they're still afraid 
of this of this man and and the ideas that he and Einstein represented, and in in both cases, both Einstein and Robeson, in answer to your question about what they believed, which you asked earlier, were socialists and called themselves socialists and said they were socialists and wrote that they were socialists. And, and socialism isn't what these idiots out in the media call Obama. Um, socialism is something that really needs to be studied and considered. Uh, some of the strongest elements in our society today uh, are somewhat socialist when you think about public school. When you, I mean, when you think about um, socialism is not, uh, 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 does not allow the super-rich to get all the money in the society and the working people to get nothing. Um, which is which is unfortunately where we are most of the time today. Mm. But but when we think about uh, Einstein, Robeson, and W. E. Du Bois, the thing that that struck me was Einstein's consistency throughout his life of being a vocal and avid supporter of the rights of all people. Uh, being that uh, he suffered under the uh, persecution of Hitler's regime. Uh, I read a, a passage in your book where he was visiting uh, Caltech out in Pasadena. And during that time, yeah. um, his all of his property and everything was seized. And uh, I guess he, he, he really could not go back home because if he did, they were, they were going to uh, apprehend him. And, and uh, one of the world's greatest minds might have been put put to sleep, unfortunately. So good thing that um, he was visiting Caltech at the time. But the, th the thing that struck me also in the book was um, I didn't realize uh, Princeton's history in regards to uh, being a, a road stop back in the day between New York and Philadelphia and, and, uh, and how our folks uh, really were the, uh, the servant community with, within that Princeton community. And, and Einstein purposely would take those walks in our community to interact with 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 uh, with all the black folks. That's true. And, and Paul Robeson was born in Princeton, and he called it the uh, uh, southernmost city in the north. Uh, you that, know, right. Princeton. That's, that, that's right. Mm -hmm. Princeton. Uh, you know, part of their. Uh, I don't know. They, they they attracted southern students, and they wanted to they wanted them to feel comfortable. They attracted the southern elite. They wanted them to feel comfortable, so they remade uh, southern culture in that New Jersey town. And in fact, and, in fact, Woodrow Wilson, who was <coughs> came from a a family that <coughs> fought on the <coughs> I'm sorry fought on the side of the South in the Civil War, uh, was president of Princeton University before he became president of America, and I'd say he was, a, was probably one of the most racist, well, uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to say one of the most racist, but he was certainly a racist president of both of Princeton and America, and uh, that's been documented and discussed and so on. And so Princeton has a, has a history of barring black students and black professors from teaching there up until... and. Uh, not just at at the university, but in the public schools of Princeton up through the 1940s. Yeah, and uh, in fact, uh, a black person couldn't even go to high school in Princeton. But w w one of the things that Albert Einstein did, and and it was perhaps 
one of the uh, uh, most uh, part, something that we really, we developed a family in Princeton from talking about Albert Einstein, people, black people who knew Albert Einstein who had never had the chance to talk to writers about their experience of knowing Albert Einstein, experience of, uh, you know, kids who ran behind him when he would walk through the community. Um, we had one individual tell us um, when he was a little kid, he went to Albert Einstein's house and knocked on his door because he wanted to uh, ask Albert Einstein why smoke rose. And um, he just had a relationship with, uh, you know, adults in the black community, but also um, several with children. And he was a positive influence in a society where whites were treating blacks like they were slaves. And he was against that. And, and, and what we discovered was, what you said was that uh, when he came here from, from Germany to get away from Hitler, uh, a lot of people have heard about that. I mean, know about that, or maybe not that many people, but, but some people. But, but it, so a lot of people know that. And if you ask people uh, to tell you about Einstein, young people, older people, and so on, sometimes they'll say, well, he was a genius. It was a, he was a genius with the hair going out in all directions, and he, was, he got away from Hitler. But almost nobody, nobody will, tell, will say anything about the fact that he was against racism and that he became friends with people in the black community and that he joined forces with people like Paul Robeson and, and W.E.B. Du Bois and, and, and Marian Anderson when she was barred from uh, staying in the hotel in Princeton. He invited her to stay with him and his housekeeper and his sister at his house, and she did, and she became a good friend of his. Mm -hmm. uh, almost nobody knows any of this. At least it's been almost totally blacked out from history, at least until, until our book. And you know what? Um, there's a reason that nobody knows in, in a lot of ways. I mean, we tell a story. We're probably the only people who got a great review in the New York Times, and nobody ever heard about it. And that's because it was a pub published in the Jersey edition of the New York Times only, which probably has a subscription of about. I mean, we buy the... At that point, we were buying the New York Times every day, and we didn't even see the review mm. because the New Jersey edition has uh, probably a subscription of about 30 people. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Mr. Fred Jerome and Mr. Roger Taylor, who are the authors of Einstein on Race and Racism. And gentlemen, this book can be purchased on Amazon.com and other retail outlets, correct? That's yeah. true. That's true. Absolutely. And we'd like to tell people that, that we're actually um, working on a documentary project. We hope to uh, um, create a documentary about Albert Einstein and Paul Robeson and this whole issue of, of their involvement in fighting racism in America. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, do you have any uh, upcoming readings or discussion groups where folks may be able to... Uh, uh, catch you in person to this very, I mean, because the 29 minutes we have on this program doesn't give the, the topic enough justice in regards to the, the, the plethora of research and the detailed yeah. research that you gentlemen have conducted. Yeah. Well, actually, we, we you know, we, we read and we've read and spoken at 
well over a hundred colleges around the country, but the book came out a few years ago, and and most of it was was within a year or two after the book came out, and now it's sort of like, oh well, that, that, if the book didn't just come out, you know, we're not interested, or maybe they don't quite say we're not interested, but we don't get the same kind of interest. So we're open to going anywhere, talking to anybody, anybody who who wants to and invite us, we're happy to come, and. Uh, Basically, that's our feeling. The more, the more, the better. And the reason we're making the documentary movie and working on it is because we feel we'll we'll reach more people that way. But it doesn't mean we won't we won't come and talk uh, to classrooms or or wherever. Yeah, yeah. We like to get paid, but even um, next week we plan to uh, go to a high school in New York City, Graphics High School, and and talk to the students there about race and mm-hmm. racism. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. And um, obviously, you gentlemen feel that uh, Einstein and Roberson were great leaders uh, because of the stance that they have taken. Definitely. And, um, I mean, one of the things, uh, if if people saw the movie... uh, Three, two. Two. One of the things that was left out was the fact that Paul Robeson, uh, a few years before... Jackie Robinson um, was led into the league, uh, confronted the people in baseball about their racism and demanded that they bring black people into baseball. Uh, I think that's sort of typical of of what happens, is that wherever possible, if it has to do with anything left of center... Uh, anything that's too radical or too demanding or too confrontational, just leave it out. And especially if it's Paul Robeson, and uh, we we insist that we. I mean, we have raised with people whenever we've gone to speak. Uh, how many you know, especially at colleges around the country? How many of you know who Paul Robeson is or was? And the number of people who raise their hands is 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 sad. It's sad. Very, very few even say that they knew, and you just have to wonder what 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 can be done to change this a great eraser that is our educational system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, you know it's funny, but we sh- we got to the point where we show a five minute clip uh, about Paul Robeson in our presentation often, mm-hmm. and we we saw some kids. Uh, I guess at Fisk University, we had been in uh, right. California at the uh, Black Physicist Convention, and we saw them several months later at Fisk when we were there. And they told us, you know, we didn't even know Paul Robeson was black until you showed us the film. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, they, and so that, they say that if you yeah, don't know your, you don't know your history, you're bound to make some of the mistakes of of the past. And exactly. educating our youth about uh, our history is just is just so important. I, I I would think that, especially during Black History Month, that you gentlemen would be quite busy uh, discussing uh, this book, this topic, and also Paul Robinson. Is that not the case? Well, it was the case for a few years, but it hasn't been the case in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think that's what what happens in this country is you know, unfortunately. Uh, and many many media people just sort of go by fads. Oh well, you know that's that's what's in this year, right? And I'm not saying that's true of everybody, but but they're they're 
people like you and this program are few and far between, unfortunately. Mm. Interesting. You know, I, I spoke with a, with another author who is going to uh, be on the program tomorrow because, you know, we record these a few weeks in advance. And he asked me, why, why did I call him? Because it's been a couple of years since he wrote the book. And I said, well, I, I read your book, and I found it very interesting. So, you know, so there you go. Um, yeah, yeah, it's great. But listen, we're, we're winding down to our last minute. And is there any last thoughts that you gentlemen would, would like to leave with our audience about your book, Einstein on Race and Racism? And, and 30 seconds, please. <laughs> You know, I, me, I would like to just impress upon young people. I know um, it's a hard issue to deal with, um, but you are affected. And these people are models, uh, role models. Robeson basically sacrificed his career to stand up for what he believed in. And I'm not saying that we, that other people need to do that, but you need to be aware that this is a problem that you can do something about. Right. Fred? Yeah, I, absolutely. I think that if you think that it doesn't affect you, let's say if you're, especially if you're white and you think it doesn't affect you, then you're one of the people who's being used to keep it going because it's by dividing people against each other that, that they can keep this, this whole racist system going. And I think until, until we all realize that it affects everyone, and Einstein and Robeson sort of represent that idea, and and did and did things about it. That will that will help to, to bring about real change. Very good, very good. Well, gentlemen, I want, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank Mr. Fred Jerome and Mr. Roger Taylor, authors of the book Einstein on Race and Racism. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having us. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Darrell Gunter, your host of Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.